Greetings to all of our Word on the Hill listeners. This is Scott Powell. On behalf of Father Peter Musset and myself, just want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Father Peter and I are unavailable this week, so you are listening to a classic episode, a rerun uh, from three years ago on Pentecost Sunday. So we will be back live as soon as possible. And until then, keep us in your prayers. Thanks, everybody. You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Hello, everybody. I am Father Peter. That is Dr. Scott Powell. And we are the lanky guys. Uh-huh. And you're listening to The Word on the Hill. I What's, wave to you all. Dude, do you know what? Sometimes, uh, so I um, I sometimes purchase things from a, a place called... Um, Revzilla, okay, and uh, tell and, me more. And Revzilla is a motorcycle supply shop, oh. but they do video it's reviews of everything. Yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah, and they and uh, and so the guy out there, he's like, he's like, watch, listen, and ride. Like he sometimes you remind me from the of the dude, the the uh, the dude from Revzilla. Sunday, the, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. Dude, you know what I was thinking of Pentecost. <laughs> I really want to go this summer. To both a demolition derby and a monster truck rally. Have you ever been to I, either? I want to be. I also want to go to a tractor pull. Like, have literally, you ever been to any of those? I have. I've been to um, two, two of the three. Okay, I've, I've never. I would like to go to a demolition derby. I've never been to that. Would you go to a demo derby with me? That would be awesome. Awesome, dude. You know, I'd I grew lo- up watching Herbie the Love Bug, and so <laughs> I always wanted to. Who remember there were yeah, yeah. A demolition derby driver? I always thought it was the coolest profession. Dude, I have to say that, that you always have to get seats to where you can both see the pit and the arena. I either wanted to be a doctor of theology or a demolition derby driver. Dude, those are my two, <laughs> my two aspirations. Dude, I maybe think, I can be both. I think you can be both. I think that we should do as a ministry. I think we should sponsor a car in a demolition <laughs> derby and tour around for St. Tom's, dude. A huge Buffalo Catholic on the roof would look cool. Oh, it would look really cool. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, anyway, it is speaking of. The descent of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I thought there had to be a connection in there, but I don't <laughs> think there. I genuinely don't think there is. For Pentecost Sunday, our first reading is coming from Acts chapter two, verses one through eleven. Moving into responsorial Psalm one hundred four, verses one twenty four, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, thirty four, <laughs> with the responsorial from thirty. Yep, responsoliloquy. Response soliloquy, dude. Well done. Thank you, dude. But a response, yeah, response soliloquy, it would be that you're just responding to yourself. Yes, I know. That would be like an actor playing two parts at once, like Sir Anthony Hopkins (laughs) and Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Our second reading comes from. We're doing the second option because I think three years ago we did the first. So we're doing the second option, which is from Romans chapter eight. Verses 8 through 17. Boom, boom, boom. And then we have a sequence. In case you're ever wondering, it rhymes in Latin and it rhymes in English, but the liming, liming, rhyming Latin is way better than the rhyming English. And especially Divine, if it's spoken. Shine, guest, reward, lord, guest, adore, lord. evermore. Renew, chill. Will and chill. <laughs> so good. <laughs> then we get into the gospel. Which is going to be the second option of the gospel, mm, yes. which is John 14, mm. 15 to 16, 23b to 26. It's a jump. It's a jump, and and uh, sometimes it's just what happens. You just jump. Okay, here's what I don't and recall. And I say, how high? Here's what I don't remember. What do you not remember? Has is the, is the read, is the first reading the same every single year? 
I'm trying yes. to think back. For the last three years, we've done the same first reading, right? I mean, there's only one account of of Pentecost. Yeah, so it's so it's the same every year. Absolutely, I just yeah. looked it up in on a paper version, just like that. And it, it was lightning fast. It was lightning fast. <laughs> the modern miracles of technology, the miracle of the interwebs, dude. I actually figured something out not using Google. Do you know how I feel smart I feel right now? You actively wanted me to pause it so you could get a paper. You know how happy that makes me. You wanted to get a, a, a bound volume of something to look it up, <laughs> dude. Mm. It would. It's just Mm-mm. sometimes paper is easier than. Um, blood. Oh, hold on. Ink pours <laughs> oh, out more easily weird. than blood. Okay, now it's getting weird. I don't. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we should talk about it then. So, okay. Well, so I mean, yeah. I mean, so I mean, this is the thing, though, because we've we've literally talked about this same reading. I mean, but you guys probably don't remember. You're not paying attention no, to us. You're, you're dude, doing laundry. We can we can repeat or... our. They're eating Cheetos with Lyman. <laughs> oh, I wish we were. Oh, me too. But we're not. Father Peter, he. I asked if he had any gummy worms today, and he <laughs> went upstairs, and he threw me a bag of... Now, just picture in your heads for a moment. You're, what, so, you, you're so excited to get some gummy worms. Scott loves gummy worms. You what, know this. What is, to you, the worst possible thing he could have thrown you instead? The, this, yes, the answer is raisinette. <laughs> <laughs> Raisinettes. Dude. Seriously? Do you know how happy oh, it made me to throw you a bag of raisinettes? raisinettes? But I also knew that it was like it was like cruel. It was like not an okay thing. But for all the people who really like health food, which there's a lot of you out there I'm who sorry. are like- I'm sorry. Raisinets are not health food. <laughs> Your standards are pretty lousy <laughs> if that's health food. Dude, raisinets oh are gosh. health food. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. So Acts chapter two. So when the- uh, It's Pentecost. Here's what we have to say from the get-go. And we- Pentecost we- means 50. It means 50 days from Easter. That's why we would have the Ascension Thursday, which is nine days before Pentecost. Correct. So Pentecost is not unique to the church, though. I guess that's the first thing that needs pointing out. And Pentecost it, it, was a, a and it's, was it fifty days after what Passover? Oh, okay. Yeah, fifty days from Passover it was a very important feast um, in the Jewish calendar. Which, which <laughs> what? That's an understatement. Is it a very important feast in Israel's God? <laughs> it's like the defining moment of no, it's Israel. Not the defining moment. Pentecost. The Passover. No, no, the Passover is. I'm talking about Pentecost. No, Pentecost was also an important feast in the Jewish calendar. Not as important as Passover. Which is, is it would be a a harvest feast, right? Well, it was two things. Yeah, there's two things that that sort of evolved over time. So first of all, yeah, it was a harvest feast. So it was, I always think of it kind of like Jewish Thanksgiving. You know, it's that we had a big harvest. We thank God for this. What do you do when God gives you crops or fruits or flocks or, or has blessed you in some way? What are we all supposed to do? Sing the song. Shine on, shine on, Jesus harvest shine. moon Fill up in the sky. Oh, I ain't had no loving since January, February, June, or July. Bah, 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 bah. They like that's how I grew up, man. Harvest moon, dude. Shine so, on, harvest moon. So when God blesses us <laughs> with anything, how should we respond? Singing. <laughs> how else? <laughs> if, um, if, if giving I, back some of the produce that we have received. How much of it? Ten percent. Yeah, I tithe, I tithe. So I'm supposed to tithe out of the paycheck that you sign with your pretty little hand every month. I'm supposed to give ten percent of that back to the church, right? <laughs> back to me? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> ironic, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> this right, is we'll, a... <laughs> we'll discuss that paradox another time. <laughs> Wait a minute, though. Um, okay, so yes, it's the it's the harvest feast. The harvest feast is when we're supposed to think about giving back to God. Our first fruits, right? The other thing that it celebrates is, do you, do you remember? 
Um, it came a little bit later on. It, it evolved into this. I mean, it was a pilgrim feast to the temple or something. like. Yeah, but, that's true, but that doesn't necessarily... So think think like a Jew. You're a Jewish person. This is good. We've talked about this four years. Even you don't remember what we talked about. So th- this is good. I don't feel bad anymore. So you're a Jew. You're thinking about harvest. You're thinking about fruit being born in your lives. What is, for a Jew, the greatest harvest that you've been given by God? The greatest fruit that you've had produced, that you've had given in your life? I don't think this is too abstract. I mean, the 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 promised land. Um, uh, you no, know, for I, a Jew, there's something more important than that. Um, What's the most important thing the Jewish people have from God? Um, the temple. No. Um, the priesthood. Remember, well, remember, the temple at this point in history is empty. They don't believe God is dwelling in it at this point. They saw him leave back before the first temple was destroyed. They never Ooh. saw him come back. So the temple is the waiting place for the presence of God. We want him to come back. How do I not remember this? I've been doing this for three years. As you hold up your Bible and show it to me <laughs> as if I don't read the Bible. No. What is the most important thing for the Jewish people? The scriptures. The word of God. Yes. Right? Uh, the word. The God's word. word. His Torah. Oh, dude, you, Bill Mansfield right now is like hitting his <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> it's going like father. Oh, I didn't. I didn't word that very well. I really didn't. In your defense, and and what what is the capstone of the word, the law? It is the Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. So the giving of the law in Mount Sinai. That that's the other. That's the greatest harvest that the Jewish people feel that they have is that when God gave us his word. And remember, this predates the temple. This predates the priesthood. It predates all of these other very important trappings of Hebrew life. Right. Predates the promised land. Before we had anything, God gave us his law, his word, his instructions on how to live, right? And he gave that on Mount Sinai with fire, with God speaking out of the voice of the clouds, you know, the, you know, the whole scene. So Pentecost is fundamentally about, yes, the harvest celebration, giving back to God, but also remembering when, when God gave us his law, his words to live, the, the food for us to sustain us. We're supposed to respond by giving back to him. Mm. Do you begin to, I think the connections begin to get really interesting once you realize what it looked like when God gave the first law. Yeah. It was up on a high place on a mountain. There was fire falling down from the sky. They heard the voice of God from the clouds, the tongues of God speaking to them in their individual ears and all this stuff. So we have fire, we have an upper place, we have tongues being used. You're staring at me as though you're about to kill me. No, oh, I, I <laughs> did you zone out? Are you thinking I, about I drones? zoned out? Are you thinking about your motorcycle windshield that you just ordered? No, I'm thinking. Did I call you out? I'm sorry, I shouldn't call you out. I'm thinking about all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about the chimney that's being removed from the house. They just started removing a chimney like ten minutes ago at our house, and so speaking of fire, and tongues, and flame. Yeah, see, yeah. chimney, chimneys. Father Peter keeps saying chimney, chim, and chim, doesn't know chimney, why everyone chim, keeps chim, laughing chimney. at him. Jiminy. Don't tell him. How do you say Anybody. it? No, that's how I say it. That's absolutely <laughs> it. All right. So so here we are, right? It's Pentecost. That Again, this means this is we're <clears throat> celebrating the law. How do you respond? Will you give back the first fruits? Do you remember, and not to go into the nitpickies of, of Acts of the Apostles, Yeah. gathered gathered in the upper room. Remember, they're gathered for, to presumably celebrate Pentecost together. Yeah, there's going to be still, a lot of people up there. Well, Acts tells you exactly how many there are. Now, 70, remember. 72? No. 12. No? 24. 36. <laughs> no. Let's keep throwing it. This is kind of fun. <laughs> uh, let's see. All, all, all were, all were gathered together. Yeah. It says that there were about 120. I'll just 
pulled the trigger. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now, why is that important? Now, I mentioned, remember at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that that's, that's important, that it wasn't just the apostles. So, 10 times 12, which is, ten, which is a, a, the fullness of the 12 tribes. Yeah, there's lots of <laughs> mathematical things you could kind of do with it because you know the Hebrew people loved the qualitative value of numbers. What right. do numbers represent? What do they symbolize? There's lots of stuff. So there's 12 apostles because the apostles, of course, represent the 12 tribes of Israel. 120 though, so that includes the apostles, some of the disciples, the women, Mary, you know, maybe Mary Magdalene. We're not totally sure. The disciples on the road to Emmaus. Again, think about this: the tithe. What are you supposed to do on Pentecost? You're supposed to give back a tenth. Of yourselves, of your of your fruit, right? What is a tenth? What is a tithe of 120? 10, 12. 12. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, what just happened by the time we hit Acts chapter 2 is they've just replaced Judas. The, the problem that Acts of the Apostles started with was that, wait a second, the church is not the church right now because there's supposed to be 12 apostles. One of them hanged himself, or, or depending on the, the account you read, or, or cast himself into a spear headlong. Remember his bowels gushed out? It's yeah. pretty R-rated if you read Acts of the Apostles' account of Judas' death. I'm trying to keep you interested. I'm, I'm thinking there, about I'm chimneys. Jim <laughs> Jim Jiminy. Jim Jeru. I just think there's a beautiful imagery here that the church just solved this major problem of having to to replace Judas. <laughs> they have 12 apostles now. I'm and just then, laughing now. I took a time delay for me to grasp the fact that you <laughs> were talking about him thrusting himself headlong in his spear and like having his bowels gush out that's everywhere. That's what it says. Dude. I'm not trying to gross you out. Dude, no, you, you, you got me, Janky. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to say your name in a different way, Steve. Yeah. What? <laughs> you call me Steve. I was talking to Steve Baselli. Oh. I don't know why I was. Hey, Steve. <laughs> How you doing? Anyway, um, but th- what what's happening in the church? The first act of the church on Pentecost yeah. is you have a tithe of the church back to God. One-tenth of the church is actually being offered back in Ooh, service. The 12 apostles cool. are the church's tithe. Why is that important? Because it's Pentecost. That's the time that you offer a tenth of your goods and the fruit that God has given you back to God. Yeah. And you recall the law that he has given you. So as the church is gathered, it's pointed out there is a tenth of this church that is set aside for his service. Very specifically so, because they had to replace one. It's at that moment that they're gathered And what do we have? Fire descends from the sky. There are tongues. There's a new law now being written on their hearts. Yeah. At Pentecost, at the day that they're giving back their first fruits of the church to God, God repays them or responds to them, rather, by giving them a new law, new commandments. It's a Mm. brand new Pentecost. Mm. Remember, we think of Pentecost as a purely Christian reality, but it's not. It's a Jewish reality that is now becoming a new reality. God is creating something new. It's a new Exodus moment. Remember, the whole um, the whole of the Gospels kept talking about what Jesus was going to do as being like a new Exodus. But if you remember the story of the Exodus, the Exodus didn't end the moment that they leave the borders of Egypt. It didn't end the moment that they cross the Red Sea and get to the other side. Yay! It didn't end even when they gave the law on Sinai. It didn't end after the 40 years. It ended once God had brought this freedom to completion. It's not just freedom from, it's freedom for, right? He freed them from slavery so that he could put their law into their lives so they could follow these things, settle the promised land, and be a new kind of people. Right. It didn't work super well because their hearts were hardened. Yeah. So what is God doing? He's performed a new exodus. He set us free from sin and death and ourselves 
But that wasn't enough because the apostles are now just sitting huddled, fearful in an upper room. It wasn't enough just to be set free. And you can see the parallels with the Exodus story. Yeah. What happened when they were set free? They're just sitting out in the wilderness terrified, just like the apostles. Yeah, they're set free, but they're sitting in the upper room terrified mm. until the law is given and they begin to have understanding. And now this new law is giving and they begin to have understanding so that they can go out to a new promised land, which is described in Acts of, if you read it, they all begin speaking in, in the tongues of all the people that are gathered. And you have this... You know, what does it say? People from Parthia, uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamanites and Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, uh, Pamphylia, Perga, Egypt, the district. This is always fun to hear the lecture read on, on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. The it's poor, one of my favorites. poor person who signed know, up for this week. I know, especially when the other person didn't show up and they're like, uh-oh. Oh, no. I got to do that one. The Perga, the things. But, but what is this? This is a new promised land. It's the in-gathering of all of the nations from all of the lands. That's yeah. the new promised land. Yeah. So the Exodus story doesn't finish on the cross. It actually continues on into the promised land. The Exodus isn't done when they leave Egypt. It goes into the promised land, which actually, I don't know if I've ever seen the full connection of that before. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It's really cool. Which, um, I mean, I'm sure there's tons more we could say about Acts of the Apostles in that scene. Um, But I actually think that's a great segue into the Psalms. So anything to add on the well I was just thinking as you were talking is like what is because of the nature of eternity and time I mean we were talking about this but the, the other week like are we going to be able to have a replay of what took place throughout all history like in the parousia and the in the full unveiling of all of history and time are we going to be able to like replay what this looks like and then to be able to actually like have dual screens up and then be able to see how like the two are connected like i don't know it's just so exciting cool the dual screens (laughs) (laughs) charlton heston's on one and then sir anthony hopkins on the other other one we're really getting some mileage out of this This, that's fun that's awesome so let's let's sum it up and all of the things that we never saw i mean this is what i i kind of picture is going on in that walk to on the road to emmaus yeah, Jesus is, is like pointing out. The, I, I wonder if he's pointing out parallels. That's, I mean, he's saying whatever is going to strike their particular hearts because he's speaking to them. But I feel like if he was doing that to me, he'd be like, "This was just like this." And do you see how this was like that? And, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and that's why I think I think uh, why our our podcast is is exciting and unique is that we're just really trying to have an imitation of what Christ would have been doing on Emmaus is to draw those parallels and the, the, the typographic. Because, I mean, he showed all the places that r- were relevant towards him, like yeah, like how right. he was revealed. Which is everything. Which is everything. I mean, it's the Christological function that every single thing in Scripture ultimately points towards Christ, which right. is like so, when you learn the four senses of Scripture, you're like, mm. oh my gosh, this is a whole world that I've never been introduced to, that the historical critical never got me to. Anagogical, baby. Anagogical, which is what it's all about, let's be honest. But uh, just to... to to note, and this is one thing we always say about this podcast, with with the road to Emmaus, the preaching on the road wasn't enough. He had to be known in the breaking of the bread. Boom. So, you know, we've had people, you know, who get the impression that, well, listening to the podcast is good enough. No, it's supposed to supplement your attendance at Mass. Which is you can't all- just listen to the podcast. We're just we're just talking. We're trying to make connections so that you can receive the bread of life. 
So more. well, so that when you receive the word within the context of the liturgy, oh. that your minds and your hearts are opened to what the Holy Spirit want to do wants to do. Because you know that you hardcore all old timey listeners of of the uh, <laughs> of the of the podcast know that when you've engaged and you're listening, like things pop out in the liturgy in a totally different way, yeah. and they and your heart opens to them. The, and, and even the preaching, like it just yeah. opens in a totally different way because you've actually done the preparation. You've done some work, which is like the bomb. Yeah. Yeah, it is the bomb. The bomb. The bomb, dude. Is that the bomb from the 90s? Well, you know what I know is not from the 90s? The psalm that we're about to get into. Very good. Well done. Psalm 104. Here, you know, I, I have to tell you, I was reading the psalm, and I, I mean, so it begin the the um, the response itself says, "Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth." Right. Of course, we see that's what's happening in Acts. The new law, by the way, just to connect the dots on this, the new law that's being given to the apostles, which is different than the Ten Commandments, the new law is the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit is giving them a law. The law is the Holy Spirit, Ooh. which is which trumps the old law. The old law, and the prophets even foretell this. They say the old law was written on tablets of stone. The new law is going to be written on your heart. It's, it's an indwelling reality. Mm. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just give them a law to follow. The Holy Spirit is a law. This is so fundamental to what Christianity is. That, that Christianity, you know, when I was a focus missionary, I don't even know if focus missionaries do this, but, you know, we had our, like, the opening Bible study that just, like, laid out this is what Christianity is. And the first thing that, one of the first things that it did was show, like, look, if you take, it was, it was talking about world religions with all respect to them. If you take Buddha out of Buddhism, the principles of Buddhism still hold. They really do. It's still, if you take... Um, if you take uh, Confucius out of Confucianism, if you take um, Muhammad out of out of Islam, Islam, the principles still stand. If you take Jesus out of Christianity, you don't have anything anymore. It's not a set of principles. It's not teachings. It is a person and a person alone. So if you take Christ out of Christianity, you don't still have teachings. You don't have a morality. You don't have anything because the morality, the the, the teachings, all of this stuff centers around the person. I without am the, person, the way. He is the way. That's not, what I mean. Hey, yeah, these yeah. are the ways. I am the way, is. the truth, yeah. and the life, says the Lord. Yeah, he is. And that's why the Holy Spirit, yeah, it, it's, I think the gospel reading that we're looking at today speaks more to the unity of the Trinity than anything else. Um, because again, the law, our faith, all of this, this isn't a set of rules that we live by. It is a person, not just a person, but a community of persons. Right. One of whom is actually dwell multiples of whom are actually dwelling inside of our hearts. That's why the new law, Paul draws this out, the new law so trumps the old law because the old law told you what to do and what not to do. The new law actually enables you and empowers you to do it. Right. That's why it's so different. To live. We've always known what we're supposed to do. Human beings have a sense of good and evil. We, we, we know that. I mean, we're built you, there, with there's that. a lot of sociological and yeah, psychological yeah, yeah. studies that's, that give sure. you fundamental, um, consistent yeah. cultural realities spanning beyond time and location. And but those it, things don't help you do what you know you're supposed to do. Right. This is why the, the, the chapter before what we're going to look at in Romans, Paul keeps saying, why do human beings just do the things that we don't want to do? Well, it's not a matter of knowing. It's just a matter of the empowerment. We can't do it ourselves. Right. So anyway, sorry, that's all on a side. 
But I was looking at the, yeah, so send down your spirit, renew the face of the earth, give us your new law. But I, I picked up a book of yours that was sitting on the couch, <laughs> and I noticed that you wrote something in the margins that I didn't realize. Really? So Psalm 104, it, it, and we don't get it in our reading, but if you read the rest of Psalm 104, it talks about, it has all these lines about the moon you make to, to uh, talking to God, you make the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows the time for its setting, you make the darkness, you make the wild beasts, you make them prowl in the forest. All of the language of Psalm 104 is creation language. Yeah. The whole of Psalm 104 harkens back to Genesis, God creating. Why would the church in her wisdom give us that psalm for today? Because God is now recreating. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's not just a new exodus. It's not just a new law. It's not just a new promised land. It trumps all that. It goes all the way back to the beginning to a new creation, mm. which is how Paul in, in 2 Corinthians can say, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. It's all being renewed. It's not just the parallelism of the Bible of what we were talking about with the patriarchs and these figures and these stories. It's the entirety of it. It starts again. That's right. why John's gospel begins with the same lines the Genesis begins with, in the beginning. Yeah. Because there's a new beginning now. So I, I, I didn't see that literally until I sat down and I picked up this book and I saw that you had written in the margins how it's all about Genesis and it's all about creation. <laughs> wow. Which I, is why we get this psalm, which is cool. This uh, is Pentecost. This is, we're literally beginning as a yeah. church and we're entering into the birthday. This is the moment we start. Yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. And I, I am always impressed with myself that uh, <laughs> I write yeah. things that, uh, that are- And it's, rep- your, it's your handwriting. It's my handwriting, which is really fun. Like My whole <laughs> life is discovery. Even when I've discovered something, I get to discover it again and again and again and again. It's the best. It's like leaving a $20 bill on a pair of pants for yourself to discover <laughs> later. And then somebody else borrows those pants and finds $20. Oh, that stinks. Did, Did you, you ever can- do that? I used to hide money oh. in, in coats that I knew I wouldn't. You know what I used to do? This is an aside. In high school, I used to set my alarm regularly for like four in the morning just so I could have the feeling of realizing, oh, I can go back to sleep. Because I loved that feeling when you realize, oh, I don't have to get up. It was the best. Scott, I just learned so much about you in, in two moments. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, that I mean that is because we're talking about Paul already, so that's a good segue into um, Romans. Into Romans, where is it? There it is. Yeah, dude. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Well, but the bad news comes before that. What's the? Well, the, the those who are in the flesh cannot please cannot God. Please God. But if you're in the flesh, uh, but you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you're in the Spirit. If only would the Spirit. Did you say the Spirit. 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 Dude, why is it that accents are so much fun? You want to know why I think it is? Is that um, as Coloradans, we have no accent. We are the perfectly neutral accent. Unless you're somewhere else in the country, and then they will adamantly claim that we have an accent. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You ask a Bostonian if we've got an accent, and they're like, "Yeah." I mean, but but you know how I know we're the neutral accent? Somebody from Minnesota tried to describe to me what my accent was. <laughs> He's like, "It just sounds like you're saying everything with a big smile." <laughs> like, "Hey, everybody, I'm from Colorado." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were mean, dude. You know what the truth is, what? though, is that if you listen to English people sing, they sound like Americans. If you listen, well, that's true. If you listen to people from the Upper Peninsula. So sing, they sound like Coloradans, and the Upper Peninsula. And if you listen what to strange, if you listen to, you know they're they're not like youping it up. 
That's true. When they're singing, nor the Bostonians. I mean, come on, New Yorkers. That's what I'm saying, man. When people find newscasters, they try to find people with our dialect. (laughs) No, it's true. That's like a thing. You don't find people with thick Boston accents on TV stations doing the news or Minnesota accents or Southern accents. Do you? Or Louisiana accents. Louisiana. 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 That's true, man. I was thinking about those chips that those listeners sent us. Remember the huge bag of Zaps chips? Oh, yeah. I've been thinking about that. Okay, we got to move on, man. Moving on to Romans, man. That first line, though. You're not, you don't please God. Yeah, we have to clarify. So, brothers and sisters, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Ruh-roh. The flesh. So, Paul has a lot of words. Sarks. Yeah, Sarks. Paul has a lot of words that he uses that I think get misused in our Christian parlance. So, for example, when Paul talks about being justified, we're justified not by faith, not by works, but through faith. Do you know what Paul means by justification? I don't. Fundamentally, he means how do you get into the family of God? How do you become an adopted son or daughter? We jump to the conclusion that, oh, he's talking about if we go to heaven when we die. He's really not. He's talking about how do you get in? You're justified by faith, not by the works of the law. You're justified. You're brought into the family of God through baptism, through these things. There's, there's Anyway, there's lots more we can say about that. But anyway, the flesh is one of these words that sometimes we misunderstand when Paul uses it. Yeah. Paul, the flesh is actually hard. You said it is the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X. Sarx is hard because Paul actually uses it in a few different ways. And the only way to know what he's talking about is to figure out the context. So sarx, yeah, it means flesh. There's a positive sense and a negative sense. Well, rather, there's a neutral sense and a negative sense. So Jesus Christ took on human flesh, right? Yeah. That's true. That's good. We're happy about that, right? We eat his flesh. Flesh can be a perfectly fine word. When Paul uses it in this context, he says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Does that mean Jesus took on flesh? Can he not please God? Mm. (laughs) Sorry. I'm trying to actually make sure that it sarks. As it what is. I, I'm like, 100%. Okay, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus took on flesh. Can he please God? Yeah, I mean, that's the... Yes, he can. Yeah, I mean, he is God, so right. he is fundamentally the, the pleasing one. So here, in this context, what Paul means by flesh is not our humanity. It's not my, my skin. It means our fallen, sinful human nature. Mm. The nature of sin that's in... So there's actually... Uh, N.T. Wright has a very good translation he says um he calls it he says those controlled by their sinful nature cannot please god right it's not just being in flesh not being a he- oh i'm just human so i'm never going to do it right that's not what we're talking about yes. if you're controlled by your sinfulness you're not going to be able to please god because what does it mean to please god it's to be who you're made to be right not, god isn't just this you know we think of god as this mean guy just waiting for us to screw up so he can punish us and all this stuff no, he just wants us to be who we're supposed to be. He wants us to be happy. When we're controlled by sin, we can't be happy. We're not going to be the people we're called to be because we're pulled in all sorts of different directions, right? Right. So we don't please God not just because it ticks God off, but because God wants us to be us. Right. Paul's whole argument, this is why this reading makes sense and why it's perfect for the Pentecost. Um, Paul's whole point in this part of Romans is basically he's trying to give an argument as to why you shouldn't sin anymore his readers. Mm. And he says, you know, basically he gives this whole argument back in chapter six. He says, look, the more the reality is, the more we sin, the more God's going to pour his grace into our lives. So the more sin we have, the more grace he's going to pour, presuming that we actually ask for that grace, we'll receive it. So the logical answer is, well, if God's going to give us more grace, the more we sin, then why shouldn't we just keep sinning? 
And his answer, his whole theological point is not, you shouldn't sin because you're going to go to hell. I mean, we might. That's a right. possibility. Right. It's not, you shouldn't sin because God's going to get mad and punish you. He, he might. But he says you shouldn't sin because, because it's not who you are. It's, not, it's a lie. Christian, be who you are. Christian, be who you are, which is a much better, fuller theology. Right. Who are you? Well, you're the people descended from those folks in the upper room that were empowered by the Holy Spirit to shake off their fear, to be bold, to go out and proclaim the gospel, to be who they were called to be, to not be afraid of anything. Remember, we've been reading all Easter season these stories of Peter and the apostles who finally get their act together and are able to go and face the lion. And, and speak the words of truth and not be worried about being persecuted, not be worried about the things that could befall them because they are totally free. Right. And they get to be who they're called to be. Yes. Paul is saying, that's who you are. You are not the apostles when they were locked in the upper room with the door closed. You were the apostles post-Pentecost. You are not Israel wandering in the desert terrified because you want the meat and the beds that you had back in your slavery in Egypt. Right. You are the Israel that's crossed into the promised land. Christian, be who you are. Who you are is not enslaved anymore, but it's also not set free, but in fear. Right. There's this weird intermediate point in the church. And again, we get all the info we need from the story of Acts, or from the story of the Exodus. This intermediate, and this is where it's not, and I'm still, I'm, I still don't have my mind fully wrapped around this, but on a certain level, the church creates an analogy here of what happens when we're confirmed, right? So when we're baptized, which... So in our gospel reading, which we'll get to in a second, it's where it's at the Last Supper from John when Jesus breathes his Holy Spirit on the apostles. They receive the Holy Spirit, but then they still lock themselves in the room and can't, can't move yeah. until, what, Pentecost. It's not that they're receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time. It's that the Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed upon them is now activated and brought to life in a new way. This is how the church... Sort of, it's an analogy how she understands baptism to confirmation. Yes. When we're baptized, we get the Holy Spirit. Right. But when we're confirmed, it comes to life in a new way that it hadn't before. Right. It doesn't mean we can't live a good Christian life without being confirmed. I mean, I guess you can because we're still baptized and we still have the Holy Spirit. But man, when you get confirmed, the activation of what's already dormant within you can change everything. Maybe it's kind of like the difference between baby teeth and adult teeth. That that the the, 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 yeah, that's the interesting. The, you can chew, you can use them. It's it's real, but they they gotta fall out, <laughs> and, uh, and then and then and then you lose them, and then you get these fuller teeth. I, maybe it breaks down. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't fall out of you after. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> Looks like I, you lost some of the Holy. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm just no I'm just no. I, I like the analogy. No, it's an analogy. All analogies fall short. I, that, that one just particularly <laughs> well the quickly. falling out it was the falling out i that got know you. it was oh my but That's... and and just to, to wrap up this romans line i just to jump to the end of it, it says those who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god i i hear the imagery one of the things that uh, paul loves to do in romans is give analogies back to the exodus story just to beat that dead horse <laughs> but those who are led by the Spirit of God, I mean, wh what's the image that would be evoked in a Jewish person's mind when they hear being led by God's Spirit? Exodus. Yeah, remember, the, it's the I, I think of the pillar of fire. Because how is the Holy Spirit smoke, often fire. represented? He's often represented by fire, right? Right. Well, Israel is like, oh, we were led by a pillar of fire. That's the Holy Spirit leading us right. out of our slavery into a promised land. Now the Holy Spirit is leading us again. 
out of our slavery, slavery into this into freedom. The promise, this it, but what is the promised land? Well, here he says it's being sons of God. It is that is the promise. It is the land. divine life, which is yeah. what we just celebrated in the Ascension Thursday, is the introduction of humanity and the divine Godhead. Mm, absolutely, which is awesome. Which is awesome. Which leads us into the sequence, which leads us into the gospel. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. John 14, if you love me, you will keep my <coughs> commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another paracletus. That, that line stuck out to me. Yep. So again, we're in the we're in the Last Supper, right? Jesus has just, he either just finished or he's just about to do the whole vine and the branches thing. Yep. He's about to do it, right? Has he done it yet? He is uh, 14. I think that he's about to do it. He does it in 15, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so he's about to do the whole, You, I am the vine, you are the branches. You gave, you... Uh, gave the weirdest homily ever. No, I loved it. With the, with all the branches falling down oh, the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about the one where they were growing a human ear on the back of a mouse, but that was a very different <laughs> homily. Yeah, I missed that, that one. <laughs> I wasn't at that. Mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. I, how do I recover from that? No, yeah, because there was lots of branches that have fallen from our our snowstorm, and that they had continually to they like continued to flower since it was spring, but they had no ability to be fruitful anymore. Right, and they're not going to flower for very much longer. No, and that's the thing about it. I mean, yeah, we had a big snowstorm, lots of branches on the street. They'll flower for a little bit, and you you can you can think of all sorts of people that are not close to God, are living far from the truth. And they'll flower for a little bit. You know, it's the whole why do bad things happen to good why do not only do bad things happen to good people, but why do great things happen to really bad people? Right. And why do you know it's the Psalms, why do the evil flourish and why do the, the wicked men, you know, store up riches and seem like they're being blessed? Meanwhile, I'm flourish. over here getting my <laughs> right. getting my butt handed to me. <laughs> like, yes. And, yes. And, because I'm living a faithful life. Yeah. And it's uh, the the analogy is, yeah, they can't live for very long. They they can be very very beautiful, profoundly beautiful, but it's not lasting. But it does. It's not fruit that endures. And I've noticed, and I don't know if there's any horticultural reality to this or not, but I get the impression that uh, you horticulturists out there can correct me on this. I I almost got the impression that some of the branches that were down flowered and bloomed quicker than the ones that were still on the trees. Oh. And there's a lot of branches on the tree, especially the higher up ones, uh-huh. that are taking longer to flower and longer to bloom. And I don't know if it's just coincidental or if there's something to the fact that being broken off, they're kind of rushing just to, to use up all their lifeblood that's left. Oh. But the other ones take a little longer, but it's going to be more staying power to them. Yeah. They'll live through the season. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I also find it fascinating that there's a, there's a group of of urban activists that uh, that actually um, put oh. fruit trees and graft them onto other trees so that they can bear fruit even though they're not of the same tree. This was a, a big practice in the first century when they were starting to discover this. They would take they would take a wild, so you'd have a, a cultivated tree that's really well taken care of, yeah. and if the cultivated tree that you took care of and you tended to and you pruned, if it wasn't bearing any fruit, they would take a wild tree, which is not cared for and, and totally you know windswept and exposed to the elements, which they figured, well, maybe it's a little hardier, and then they would graft the branches on, and maybe the hardiness of that would bring new life. And Paul actually gives that analogy in Romans 9. He's like, look, Israel's a big tree. There's some branches that have fallen off. God has grafted a bunch of new ones on. And praise be to God that you're one of the grafted on ones. Isn't that funny, like how the experience of converts are within the Catholic yes. Church? Like, yes. That's very much what Absolutely. my experience is, is like, 
like and we've we've ridden a wave of the Holy Spirit from some seriously awesome grafts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we continue to. And the problem comes when the old branches become bitter that there are new branches. And who do those branches think that they are? You know, mm. being grafted on. Yeah, dude, join the party. Mm-hmm. But here's what, one of the things that struck me about this reading. So Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, first of all, we know what's coming. What are his commands? We, we just talked about this with Acts of the Apostles. What is the new law? What is the new commandment? Love one another as I love loved you. But, but I mean, but, but, but there's something deeper that we're talking about. But what is the commandment about? that's given to them at, at Pentecost? Go. What is the new law? Remember, it's not words it's a person Mm. so what does jesus ultimately say they don't know what's coming yet but what he's saying is if you love me you're going to keep my spirit within you Mm. that's all i mean keep my commandments as well it's not it's not Mm. to say well forget everything he said no the most what you what you said exactly right you said the most important is these love one another as i have loved you you have to do that but you can only do it if you actually have my commandment, which is a person, my spirit dwelling within yes. you. And this is where it gets kind of cool. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you, what? Another paraclete, another advocate to be with you always. So if he says, I'm going to give you another advocate, what is he actually saying about himself? I don't know. He's saying, I'm the first paraclete. Oh, got it. He's calling himself the paraclete oh, or the advocate it. in a certain yeah. sense. Which that was what struck me. I was like, man, I'm seeing a different oh I'm seeing the 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 unity of the Trinity in a way that I hadn't seen it before. Wow. I am the paraclete. I'm gonna send you another paraclete who is also united with me. But you know, we we kinda wanna wow. I, I wanna divide and have these strict categorizations of the Trinity, right? Right. And that's not what's going on. They they are of one heart and mind. Yeah. And if he's saying, I'm going to give you another advocate, he's saying, I'm the first one. I'm the first paraclete. And remember, we, we've talked about this on the podcast. Paraclete, parakaleo, means to walk, walk alongside. Yeah. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? What's the role of Jesus? To walk with us, to accompany us. Wow. Us. Which is really beautiful. But Jesus is saying, I'm the, I'm the first one. It's me. And then again, whoever loves me will keep my word. Well, what is his word? Well, yes, it's what he said, but it's also his, him. And his spirit, keep me within you. Keep my word, which means, on a very practical level, go to mass, receive the sacraments, take the Eucharist, yeah. and you know, be in the right state of heart to do that. That's also keeping my word, not just doing the things that I said to do, right? But actually keeping me within you. Mm. Again, we're seeing how the the new reality of Christian life so trumps. Anything that in the human experience up to this point, Mm. because again, we've always been told what to do and what not to do. We've always been given laws. We've all, every culture has been given instructions and norms and rules. Never have we been given a person to empower us to do those things, Right. which is what Jesus is setting them, him up for. Right. Right. And, and he actually says, whoever loves me will keep my word, me and my father will love him and we will come to him. And make our tabernacle with him, make our dwelling with him. Wow! Literally in him. Any you know, of the apostles are like, okay, <laughs> they don't know what he's talking yeah, they're about. Like, they're like, sounds oh, good whatever. to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Those who do not love me do not keep my words. Again, don't have him in us. Mm. Yeah, there's lots we could say. I have told this. Uh, I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. 
and he'll remind you of all that I told you. That's my favorite line. I, I like because that. it gives hope to these these poor schmucks, the apostles, who are just you know they're there in the upper room, they're listening to these things, but they're like, what? What? Do you? <laughs> they don't have a clue what he's talking about. Right. But yet later on, after Pentecost, they were able to go back and write these things down, and then they're like, oh say, yeah. Oh. But again, it shows you the inseparability of the Trinity. Right. The Holy Spirit empowered them to understand what the Son told them. Right. And it's the Father who gave it to them. Yes. So they're they're all. I love that. I, I love John. I love the poetry of John. Yeah. He's hard to dig out. But what I'm seeing here more than anything is the nature of the Trinity being one, and that oneness actually is meant to dwell within us. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. That's what the law is. That's what the faith is. Mm. Which is so far beyond what 98% of Catholics think the Catholic faith is. Right. That if we only were able to realize what we have, it would change everything. It would. I mean, and that really brings it all together. I mean, it's like that is what is the unifying principle of all of these readings, of all of our lives, of our worship, our communion, is this communion founded in the Trinity. I mean, like, it's the best. So you know what the moral for today is? <laughs> to me. Don't settle for raisinets. <laughs> we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be back next week. Happy Pentecost. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.